So um, I'm going to read to start with from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Hebrews 10, 19, if you want to follow it in the Bible in front of you, in the church Bible, it's uh, on page 1177. So Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. We'll finish there. I just want to spend a little time, uh, just a few minutes anyway, talking about uh, Sam and Hannah, Stockhill, and the children there in Nepal. These, uh, it's a family who co- has gone from our church, and they're missionaries now in Nepal. Uh, these are the children, that's Millie, and there's Addy to the left, and Eva, and Boaz. And uh, they are in Nepal, Sam is the principal of a Bible college there in Nepal, and they're doing an amazing job, Kay and I, Kay, my daughter and I went to visit them last month, and saw what an amazing ministry they have, really reaching out, both equipping new Christians. It's a predominantly Hindu country. And these many, many um, are coming to know the Lord. And there is a young church right across Nepal. And Sam, particularly through the Bible colleges, is teaching many of these new Christians. And also they're reaching out uh, through that ministry. Now, all of the children including Boaz, uh, who's the youngest, goes to the international preschool. And it is a preschool. So it really is just up until, what I, th- I think it goes to about seven or s- six or seven, the, the age there. And uh, we went uh, to see the school. It's an English-speaking school. It, but it's rather limited in its sort of educational um, abilities, its facilities, and the number of children there are really small, the numbers of children. It's a, sco- a fee sc- fee-paying school, and it costs Sam and Hannah £3,000 a year to send the four children to that school. And I, I, actually, I, kn- I know there are some in the, in the church who support that, which is wonderful, that particularly uh, for the education of the children. But when we were talking to Sam and Hannah, and I talked with Sam uh, in, in quite a lot of detail about this, I know that they have a, a real concern about their educational needs of the children. 
And they would ideally like to send the three girls from September next year, if possible, to a better, more resource school, a larger school, uh, both in Kathmandu, which would, which would better needs, meet the needs of the educational needs of the, of the children. But it costs a lot, lot more. So, for example, to send the three children to the first for the first year would, be, would cost them £14,000. And uh, then it would come down the second year to £11,000 per year, and then so on. Now, Sam and Hannah are not pushing for this in any way at all. They were just responding to what I was asking them. So I was asking them lots of questions about their educational needs and about their children. And they certainly haven't, they haven't asked me to mention this um, at all. It's just that I came away really burdened about this. I recognize how much it meant to them if, if they could send their three children to those schools, to that school, to that new school. And it, it would set their minds at ease, it would settle their minds, and it would give them a real peace about the education of their children. They were talking about cutting their costs, you know, like finding a, renting a, a smaller house and, and, and lots of different things to see whether they might be able to afford this. And I know Judith and I, as we've talked about it, uh, we've decided that we'd be very happy ourselves to pledge a certain amount each year over the next three years to go towards changing that school if Sam and Hannah felt they could afford it eventually. And so I just thought I would bring that to the congregation for you to think about. And I know there are lots of demands, not demands, opportunities for us to give. And we all give, I'm sure, in different ways to the general church fund, to the building fund. There's lots of different things. So there's no pressure on this. I don't want any, in any way for it to go away with this is a sort of a guilt thing. It's only if anybody just felt, actually, I might be able to do that, to pledge so just a certain amount over the next three years so that would settle their minds to help Sam and Hannah send their children to this new school. And, and what I would do is, if people were able to, if one or two were able to do that, then I'd let Sam and Hannah know how much we were pledging over the next three years. And that would help them make a decision then as to whether it's f feasible, whether it's viable. So, as I said, I just want to bring it to you. I'm not going to make a big thing and song and dance about it. I mentioned it at the presentation evening. And um, I just had one more slide. That's, that's, that's the, the, the school that they're going to. Um, and so what I've done, I've, I've just left, at that, that presentation evening, I um, put out a, a, a form for anybody who wanted to take that form. And it is a, a pledge form. And I just, if, if it just ties with you what you're thinking, you think, well, that's something I might be able to do, I'd like to do that if I can, then just take the form, go away, pray about it, and then give it back to me when you've, if you feel you're able to fill that out and, and pledge something over the next three years to that. So I'll leave it there. If you want to know any more, the, the forms are on the back table there um, at the welcome desk. So if you want to know any more, just have a word with me. So let's pray. And so, Lord, we uh, come to you now as we come to the Word of God, and we pray, Lord, that you would bless this Word that you've laid on my heart, and I ask for your help as I bring this Word, and I ask for your help for us all. Holy Spirit, 
Touch our minds, give us receptive hearts, give us wills ready to be bent to your will and guide us in all that you want to say to us. Help us, Lord, we pray. Come, thank you that you are with us. So bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been looking on uh, Sunday mornings at, at a series, Battles That Christians Face. And uh, this is going to be the last in the series. And it's the battle to make the most of Sundays. So this is going to be, I'll tell you right now, a slightly different type of message to what I'm normally preaching. Um, I like to expound the scriptures, as it were, go through scriptures. But this is more of a topical message. And more of it. it's going to be very, very practical. And, and so because of that, I thought I'd do, I, I'd do my amateur presentation. And it is, it is basic, but at least it will give you some headings. I thought of that because I, although I've got three main headings, I've got about 35 sub-points. So, well, not quite, but uh, there are quite a lot. So I thought it might help just to keep you interested and actually see what's going on and remember, maybe remember some of the things. The message actually follows on from last Sunday. James spoke about God's purposes for singing in the church, which was, I thought, I wholeheartedly subscribed to what James was saying and was saying amen to what he was preaching. So if, if you missed that, it is on our website. It's been uploaded onto our website. You can listen to it there. But James has done some transcripts as well of the message. So I'll encourage you to get hold of that. If you missed it or you just want to read again or read what he said if you were here and you would like to refresh your mind of that. But this is, this is something that actually has been on my heart for some while now. I wanted to share this. And I went through the message to stimulate in you a deep desire to make the most of our Sundays, and especially of our services, both for your own sake, for your soul's sake, but for the benefit of those in the congregation, and obviously for the glory of God as well. Now, our text for this year was taken from Hebrews 10, 24, 25. This is the text. Actually, can we read it together? That'd be good. So, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, encouraging one another. So, encouragement is, is the theme. It's been the theme of this year, all the way through the year. I want to think this morning about the bit in the middle of that text that we've missed out. We shortened some verses the verses, verses 24, 25. So, um, do you know what it is? Don't call out, just to let you think. Try and think what's in between, where the dot, dot, dot is, basically. Let me read. Now, some of you, got, some of you are reading it, that's why. So, let, 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 let me read Hebrews 10, 24, 25. I'm reading in the NIV because that's how we, uh, where, where our text is from. So, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day 
approaching. That's the part that we've missed out, the highlighted part. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But we're to keep on meeting. To encourage each other, build each other up. And we're to do that especially as we see the day approaching. That, that day approaching is the day of the Lord, the, the second coming of Jesus. Why, why should that be a spur to us meeting and not giving up meeting? Why should the fact that the Lord's coming is getting closer actually encourage us and motivate us to meet together more often? Well, as I understand it, what that's saying is that as the day of Christ's return approaches, we will need greater support and encouragement. God's people will need greater encouragement and building up from each other because, as Jesus said, as history draws to a close, satanic activity will increase. Evil will increase. There will be greater persecution. We're seeing that throughout the world. There will be lots of things increasing and intensifying for Christians especially. Troubles and strife and dangers. And so if our love is to survive, we will need to maintain our fellowship. We will need each other as that day approaches. I think that's what it's saying. John Piper says about this verse, Woe to the person who thinks they can be a lone wolf Christian as the last days draw near. So, you see how the, the coming of the Lord, the closer it gets, is a motivation not to give up meeting together, but we're to meet and encourage each other. And when do we meet all together? Well, it's on a Sunday. That's, that's obviously the main time when we all meet together as the body of Christ. And uh, I hope you look forward to that. I look forward to Sundays. Sundays is the high point. It's, it's, the, it's the one that we, it's the day that actually we are in the family of God with God with us in a special way. It should, it should be something we look forward to with anticipation, you know, with, with expectation. We should have that same attitude, shouldn't we, where, where, where of the psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I think what this is saying is we have to fight for that. We have to fight for it. We've, we've got to do all we can to make sure we don't give up on this. Meeting together, as is the habit of some. Because after all, I mean, well, there's lots of things that could take our attention on a Sunday. There's lots, lots of other places you could be today. You know, there's, there's lots of things about wanting us to go here and go there and, and do lots of other things that other people are doing. But as Christians, our, our priority should be to meet together on a Sunday, on the Lord's Day. That, that should be the focus of, of Sunday, together. That's, uh, ever since Jesus was raised from the dead on that first day of the week... In the New Testament, in the early church, that became the Lord's Day. It was a day that belonged to the Lord, especially because he was raised from the dead on that day. And so on the Lord's Day, we meet together, not because we have to, not because we must do it, but because we want to. 
So how can we make the most of the Sundays, in particular our services? Well, I've got three main headings, very simple, before, during, and after. Okay, so, before. Before the service, what can we do before we come to make the most of our Sundays, of our Sunday services? And the first thing is, very simple, pray for the service. Remember to always pray for our services in the days before we come, before Sunday. I hope, I hope you do that. I hope that's part of your, your, your thoughts, your prayers, your, your, your prayer life, to pray for the Sunday services. You know, pray for yourself. Pray for the congregation. Pray for those taking part. Pray for the preacher. Pray for the, the singers, the, the musicians. Pray for every aspect of the service. Pray for your conversations with each other, that they be helpful for building each other up, not pulling down. Pray for us all that our faith will be strengthened through being in the service. Uh, prayer is so important, isn't it? Prayer says that we are trusting God. Prayer says that I'm not doing things in my own strength. I'm, I'm not relying on me and relying on God. So pray for the services in the days leading up to the service. And then secondly, prepare yourself for coming. Prepare yourself before coming to the service. I actually think the best sort of preparation for the service takes place not in the hour before a service, but in the week before a service. Because how we worship God in our personal lives must affect how we worship God when we come together. If, if I'm just turning on as a tap when I come, my praises to God or my prayer to God, then really that will just be empty, mechanical. It's just we're doing it because we're here. I like what Chris Bowater says. He says, if our private devotions are not real then no amount of public display will compensate. He gives this example, and I, I like this example. He says, in, 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 a, in the book, one of his books on worship, he says, imagine that at 10.30, one Sunday morning, I sit my wife Leslie down on the settee in the lounge and say, I have something to say to you. I love you. I appreciate you. I really think you're wonderful. Bless your heart. And he says, she'd smile back at me and perhaps say, well, thank you very much. That's nice of you to say that. But then if the following Sunday morning I said, right, love, sit down. It's 10.30. I do love you. I think you're wonderful. Bless you. And he says, there might be a smile and a frown. And she might say, thank you. That's kind of you. Are you all right? And then the following Sunday morning, I say, it's time again, Leslie, sit down. And she'd say, no, I won't. And I'll say, what do you mean you won't? It's time. It's time when I say I love you and I appreciate you. And she would say, don't you get it? If you love me, you don't have to wait till Sunday to tell me. And our, our worship of God isn't to be limited 
is it? Our praises, our expressing our thanks just to when we come on a Sunday. So when we come to worship him in our services, if we've been praising him and living with him and, and adoring him in the day, in the days before, then our worship will be genuine, be real. So let's make it our aim to cultivate a heart of praise every day, every part, in every day of our lives. Whether we're with others or not, whether we say it out loud or not, it doesn't matter. So it becomes a normal part for us just to lift up our hearts. And you're just, it's just part of life, isn't it? Just spontaneously, just thank God. Arrow prayers, arrow prayers, whatever it is, just saying thank you to God. Just on one practical note, I was thinking about this, and perhaps it's for me, but I know that actually what I do on a Saturday night sometimes affects me on a Sunday. What I watch, or maybe even how late I go to bed, you know, if I'm really late and I come home, I come to a service tired, that, it does affect me. So even the day before, let's think about how can I best be for Sunday? The high point of our week. So pray for the service. Prepare for coming. Thirdly, arrive early for the service. I want to encourage you to do your best to come earlier for our services before the service starts so that you're ready for when the service starts. Now, Turning up late is better than not turning up at all. So don't let that put you off. Right? If you're late, that's fine. Don't, don't, put, don't, don't say, oh, I can't come now. I'm going I'm to go off somewhere. Don't do that. But if you're like me, and I, I'm a last minute, I always try and pack everything in, lots of stuff in. And so I'm invariably, variably late. And I have to really, really work at that. If you're like that, I want to encourage you to do all you can to set off a bit earlier on a Sunday morning to get here so you have time just to settle down, get ready for the service. And I know you might think that's impossible for you, but God is a God of miracles. And I believe that God can change us and help us with that. Now, I know, and, and I was thinking about this, life is busy, we've got, we've got complicated lives and responsibilities, especially with family and children, and it's hard to get the children out of the house on time at any time of the, of the day, isn't it? Never mind on a Sunday. But arriving that bit earlier for a service is really worth working at. Really worth working at. It's good to aim at that. Just so you can collect your mind, you can settle your heart, you can just prepare. You might be talking to people, but that's okay. That's fellowship. But just so that we're ready... And I was thinking as well, if we, if we miss the first part of the service, either because our mind's not on it, or we've, we're late, then the person who's been le who's leading has been preparing and thinking and planning how to best help people turn their eyes to Jesus. That, that's part of the ministry of, of leading a service. And, and so you'll miss out on the benefits of them as they are seeking God to help the congregation. Just to think about how to come to a start the start of a service. So, arrive early. Can I say this as well? Pray about where you sit. Just think about 
Lord, will you guide me where to sit? Ask the Lord to be in charge of that. You know, if you've got children, where's best for them to engage in the service? You might see a visitor or someone new and somebody you haven't spoken to. Um, and if you sit next to them, that, that's great. That can be an encouragement to them. Or it just might be that God wants you somewhere in that service, during the service or after the service, to be there just to talk with somebody. So pray before the service about where you would sit. The next thing is during the service. What do we do? How, how can I make the most during the service? Well, on the whole, I think we're good at this. Be engaged in the service. Come ready to be involved. You know, there's nothing worse, I think, about coming to a service thinking that it's a spectator event where we're looking on, but we're not part of it. Where we sort of, and, and it's, I mean, it's great. You can, you can enjoy a service like that. You can, you know, sing and you can hear the prayers and you can hear the reading and you can hear, listen to a, a message. But if we're not careful, it can become like that, spectating, looking on. And yet that's not what it's meant to be, is it? We're not, we're not passengers on a bus. And we're not consumers in a store. It's not an event where we're entertained. We're meant to be engaged and involved in everything, whether it's praying along with someone or whether it's carefully reading, following the reading, or whether it's sharing and when we have the opportunity to share, listening carefully to ever speaking, singing with your heart, and I'll come to that in a moment. You know, that attitude makes all the difference to a service. It, it, it helps that service become alive and rich and meaningful if we're all engaged in it. One of the things, a shared personal thing, which I find helpful just for my own benefit, when someone is praying, I find it helpful to get engaged in that prayer just by saying sometimes out aloud or to myself, Amen. Hallelujah, thank you, Lord, praise you, Lord. Amen isn't, you know, it's not just for an end of a, amen means I agree, isn't it? It's, it's, in other words, you're saying, yeah, thank you, that's, that, I'm, I'm with that prayer. Now, I like to say it out loud, but not, not everybody can do that. But I want to encourage you to be engaged in, when, when somebody's leading, or in a prayer meeting, or in your home group, your growth group, or, or, or in, in ones and twos, when you're praying, to be engaged in that prayer. To be prayerful with that person. So be engaged in the service. Sing with heart and soul. This follows on actually from, from James's message um, last, last Sunday. Ephesians 5, 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody, where? In your heart, to the Lord. It's a heart attitude. We're to sing from our heart, with our heart. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts 
to the Lord. And uh, the, the context of both those verses is corporate worship, corporate praise. So our worship, our praise, our songs, our adoration is to come from our hearts, not just from our lips. So our hearts need to be in it when we're singing or praying or listening. And whatever it is we're engaged in, maybe from our hearts. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, aren't we? All of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. So my prayer for myself is God save me from half-hearted praise. Please, not, not, I want to be giving you what's the best, whether it's in praise, in our services, or on my own, or wherever it is. No, I don't want to be half-hearted. I want to give him the best. Excuse me. Perhaps I better just add a, a rider to that. Just, but when I say singing with heart, doesn't necessarily mean singing out as loud as you can. I mean, it, that's fine. That's good. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. It means giving God your whole attention. Can you imagine if, you, if you're kissing the love of your life with one eye closed and one eye on the television? I can't imagine any television program being worth killed for, you know. <laughs> maybe you can, maybe, you, maybe you've done that, but you, you, you can't. We, 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 the, the love of our life is God. If we're singing to him or we're singing his praises or we're declaring what we believe, let's do it with our heart. Let's be engaged in that. Spirit-filled worship is heartfelt felt worship in which we give God our full attention and concentrate on him. And um, just following on from what uh, James was saying last Sunday, God loves, God must love singing. He really must. He's put music in our souls. We sang that, didn't we? Echoes in our soul. He's put music there. And we're made in the image of God. Singing is the expression of the, of the emotion of the soul. It's a wonderful gift of God. And, you know, when somebody is spirit-filled, with the, with the, full of the spirit, and they sing to God, however tuneful they may be, they might be as tone deaf as a post, it doesn't matter, that is pleasing to God. And can I just say this as well? It's, it, it's, this came across in my studies. When we collectively sing, Jesus sings with us. Did you know that? When we collectively sing, Jesus is singing with us. Just turn to Hebrews 2. And I'm going to read it in the NIV. Verse 11 and 12. Hebrews 2, 11 and 12. So, both to the one who makes people holy... Okay, that's God. And those who are made holy, that's us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. So that's the church. He says, Jesus, I will declare your name, God's name, to my brothers and sisters, in other words, to you and me. 
He says, Jesus says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. So in the assembly, in other words, where God's people meet, I will sing your praises. Now, if I understand that right, Jesus is saying that he's in the midst of his church. Wherever, where two or three are gathered together, I am there in the midst. And I am there, Jesus says, singing praises through my people, in my people, to God. So we're not just having a sing song. We're not just filling in time before the word. We're actually being part, partners with Jesus as we are with Jesus singing praises to God. That's how I understand it. And that, to me, that's amazing. That's a wonderful. Because Jesus, Jesus is partnering with us in our praises. So as I sing out of the joy of my heart, it's the living Christ singing through me and in me. And I think that's a wonderful privilege to sing together. It lifts singing beyond just singing. And then, very quickly, sing with heart. Listen actively when it comes to the word of God. Listen actively and carefully to what God is saying to you from his word. And I, and I think for that to happen, we need to come wanting to hear. We need to come desiring to hear what God has to say to us. An attitude like that makes such a difference. <clears throat> As a preacher, a congregation has an enormous impact on us. As a congregation, a preacher is helped by anyone who is taking an active part. So, okay, there's obviously there's a bit of disturbance. We'll just wait and see if any it's okay. I'll carry on if you uh, concentrate. The, the folks are helping out there. So being active in, 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 in the service, listening carefully and, and watching, listening to what God is saying. Try and follow what God is saying through his word. And then let's quickly go through after the service, what can we do to make the most of a service? Talk about God's word. Talk about God's word. After the service, think about who you might be able to encourage somebody with. Something with, just from the word. Just say, what do you think about that message? What did you get out of it? I, yeah, God spoke to me about that. Why not do that? And then after that, be sensitive to those around you. There may be some who have God spoken to. They might just be quiet and need to be quiet. They might value somebody just praying with them. They might just be value just a bit of encouragement. Be sensitive to those around. And then part of that is looking out for others. Look out for others. You know, coming to church isn't just about me. It's about other people. We're here to serve. We're here to give. So... Some ways to make the most, very practical ways for us to make the most of Sundays. Can I just say, and I finish with this, these are not rules, they're meant to be aspirations. You know, we might, not, we might fail on some of them, we might think, oh, I'm not very good at that. We're growing in this, we need to grow and learn and, and, and move on as best God can help us. And can I say, I do apologise if any of those have ruined your thought that Sunday is a day of rest. Do apologise. After all, you've got Monday to Saturday to work. You know, you've got Monday to Saturday to rest. 
so that you can come to Sundays to work because we're here to serve and we're here for others, not just ourselves. Let's pray. So, Lord, thank you for our Sunday services. We thank you for the blessings that they are for all who take part in them. Lord, would you help us, we pray, to play our part. Lord, we want to be those who not only receive but give. We want to be those who contribute. We want to be those, Lord, who are part of this wonderful congregation where you meet with us. Lord, where we're actively engaged in all that's going on, that we're prepared, Lord, and if we find that hard to prepare in the week before or in the days before or the hours before, Lord, help us just to find time. Help us, Lord, we pray, to to be led by your Spirit in that. Help us to grow in all of these things, we pray. So, Father, thank you. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for this church. I thank you for all that you're doing. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think we'll finish there.